Hi, and welcome to episode 12 of Article 23, the podcast all about making work work. Sonia and Kutzik here, joined by, ja- joined by James Hancock. Great to be back. And Rhonda Brighton Hall. Great to be here. So, group, we had a lovely short week. We had some time off over Easter. We had mm. Anzac Day. We've all enjoyed some time in the sun with our friends and family. Yes. Yes, and some chocolate. Mm. And Anzac biscuits. And beer. And two of them. Anyway. Moving right along. Wanda, <laughs> yes. what are we going to talk about today? We're going to talk about the Happy Worker Report, which is an, a phenomenal piece of research that we partnered on in 2017. It's its second anniversary this month. Mm. At the time, Beck Castle, who is the Chair of Women Economics in Canberra, also Associate Professor of Economics with Bankrest Curtin Economic Centre, and also on our table of 10 here at MOI, is she worked with us on building this research report, which is at that stage was the best piece of research you could have on what it takes to be happy at work. Mm. And two years down the track remains the go-to research that if you want to know what matters to make people happy at work, this is it. Cannot wait to jump into that. Um, But first, we've got some very hard-hitting, fresh-off-the-press news. James, Mm. handshakes at work could be banned. I just can't believe it. I love handshakes and knowing that that came from um, the Northern Territory News, that is avant-garde reporting, <laughs> always. And so, um, yeah, I'm, I'm sad to hear handshakes might go. Must be web to web uh, <laughs> and a really important part of how we conduct business in my view. Yeah, it's, it, for a bit of context, um, in the UK, um, they're looking at actually, in this wake of Me Too, just banning mm. all physical contact at work because it creates a grey area and mm. people want to get back to more black and white, this is okay, this is not. Mm. So handshakes are out because it yeah. could be a bit creepy. Yeah. What are they going to replace it? What's black and white that you replace a handshake I think with? Oh. An open mouth kiss is probably okay. <laughs> Too much? No. Um, <laughs> stop offering handshakes. Hand <laughs> That's okay with everybody. I won't take a person. <laughs> no, but it is a good, you know, it does lead to a lot of kind of awkward greetings at work potentially. What yeah. do you do? Just wave very close to your body or? Yeah. And what? Ab- yeah, I don't know what you're going to replace it with. And what about just the, um, you know, different greeting based on the relationship you have with the person so i've known you for longer so something might be different to the person that's brand new little things like that where we apply judgment where we where we would all apply good judgment but do we really need to spell it out to people down to that level it's kind of scary that we need to do that i just think look i'm actually very very good at giving handshakes i just i I think you are too thank Mm. you always done with an open mouth yeah exactly (laughs) (laughs) which is appreciated (laughs) but i think there's something about you know there is an art to it and losing that would be a very very sad day for us so maybe our friends at the northern territory times might be as james said very ahead of their um thinking Mm. and that doesn't happen i think your point before though that if the no it's about this (laughs) that you were making earlier when we were talking is that if you're the sort of person who is lecherous mm. and a ha- you're going to turn a handshake into something lecherous, mm. then the rule is don't be lecherous <laughs> as opposed to yeah. stop handshaking. Yeah. Like it's, Agree. you just need to modify yourself, really. Uh, Rhonda, I think you paraphrased me to sound smarter. I said, keep your pants on <laughs> when you're shaking hands. But thank you well, for too. talking that me too. up. <laughs> okay, so from a bit of hilarity to something actually quite meaningful. Let's talk about happy workers. So Rhonda gave us a fantastic introduction to how that came about, but can you share a little bit more about the report and the key themes that came out of it? Well, the three key themes, are there are three big things that make us happy at work. Mm-hmm. First one of those is purpose, purposeful work. 
Second one is relationships, the people we work with. And the third one is agency or freedom to how we do it. And uh, it was a really interesting piece of research because those three things were so fundamental. And we could probably have known them already, but to see it in data, that's actually incredibly cool. Especially for you. Can you tell I us did. a bit more about the data and where it comes from? I'd love to know. <laughs> this is my turn from microsleep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, actually, to, before we go into defining those three things, the actual Happy Worker Report was based on Hilda data, household yeah. income and labour demographics data, which is 17,500 people, 17,400 mm. people who are absolutely representative of the Australian population in equal ratio. So wow. it's actually the most amazing yeah. database you can use. And yeah, I think it's incredibly cool. Thanks for asking the data question. That's James. okay. I actually <laughs> love where it comes from. So yeah. So Sorry, now I let's go deep, up, deeper so. on. Sonia, <laughs> let me shake let's her Let's go hand. deeper on the three. So let's start purpose, relationships and, and agency. James, over to purpose. So purpose probably would come as no surprise to many people. We're happiest when we have that strong um, sense of purpose in our work. Alignment to the purpose of the org we're in. Um, to the function and the role we play. Um, That goes for paid and unpaid work. Participating in work is important. And when we're talking about purpose, it's fair to say we're not just talking about this big, grandiose kind of concept of saving the world. That can be a really great purpose, but doing that meaningful work that matters to someone that's recognized for the contribution you make is where where it's at. Yeah, and I I love the talk about purpose because people always go really grandiose yeah, which is right. lovely yeah. but there's a, a beautiful way of looking at people in retail so I think if, if yeah. a person's working in retail and they're really good at it and they love what they do what you find is that they love getting people what they need so yeah. if I come into a store and I say I really want to buy a new outfit because I'm going to this really important date on Friday night and they help me find something really great and I walk out with a great new shirt and I feel like whoa I'm really mm. looking pretty great for my date that's you're actually purpose for work yeah. yeah you're part yeah. of someone's life and yeah. you've made a relevant difference to them yeah. I think it's really cool and you see that in people as well right it's that passion energy and kind of enthusiasm you know when someone's hitting purpose at work yeah and you go that's amazing energy to be around yeah and it's fun it is fun and yeah okay well Moving from there to my favorite thing, which is relationships. Um, I think we all know in our gut that relationships are important at work, but just how important is pretty incredible. So we know that if there are eight people in your work life that actually deeply care about you, that you connect with, that you have a relationship with, you are substantially happier at work. Um, So we know the number that is important is about eight people. And that's eight people that if you don't turn up for work, send you a text saying, hey, you're doing okay? Or if you said, does anyone want to come for a coffee or have lunch together? You've got a little group that you know have got your back and you genuinely enjoy spending time with. Yeah. Um, And I think the interesting kind of thing out of this is we know a group of around eight people is important, which is what Rhonda tells very succinctly, you know, sociology calls a family. So I love that. But when we think about designing teams in larger organizations, you know, 1,000, 5,000, 52,000 people, how do you actually design teams so you can have those really tight relationships in a big ecosystem of people? Yeah, how do you make it practical? Mm. Yeah. And so if you looked at things like, um, we always go a bit random with, say, the employee experience and amazing things we need to do. But mm. actually, if you just did these three things, so you got people connected to work that matters, purpose, mm. you got them some friends, and then we'll talk about agency <laughs> in a minute, but, if actually if orientation was about making them a few friends or someone to hang with or yeah. someone to sit near or whatever it happened to be, and that got them kick-started into the thousand people that you employed, that's actually a meaningful difference. That yeah. deeply makes them feel like they're part mm. of a team as opposed to anything else that you can do that's quite grand. Mm. Yeah, love it. So what's the last thing, Rhonda? Agency. So this is absolutely freedom. This is the freedom to choose, the ability to decide how you do your work, where you work, when, how... 
And it's basically flexibility. So if anyone's still talking about, should we have a flexibility policy? Um, they're probably oh about 10 years out of date. Mm. And it is now already here. And it, we know why it's important. And it's not just about an extension of mat leave or something. That's quite specific. It's also about, can I choose where I sit on Fridays or mm. something like that? And in this data, in the Happy Work Report, this was an amazing statistic. It was an 8.3% improvement in happiness at work if one day a week I could choose where I sat and worked. Now, that's yeah, an amazing data massive. point. Like anyone who looks at those, those numbers all the time, 8.3% improvement mm. is really big. Yeah. And to get it from saying once a week you can work where you want to work is really cool. I love that. Yeah. So what's the recap on it, James? Well, yeah, absolutely. So to recap the big three factors that make people happy at work are purpose, meaningful work to do, and it needn't be grandiose, relationships, a few key ones that really matter and make you feel like you belong, and agency, freedom over how you approach the work, where you do it, stuff like that. Pretty easy. I love that. And they lo- you know what I love the most? That it makes sense that in our gut, every single person gets it. So let's do something a bit crazy. Let's talk about the quirky facts that came from the report. And I'm going to hand over to my data friends, Rhonda and James, to talk to this. <laughs> Rubbing our hands with me. Yeah, the data pumped, points are pumped. really, really, really good. So first of all, let's give the first one. Mm. The happiest people, and they did it across generations and ages, happiest workers we have in Australia are over 70. Yeah. So if we're worried about working longer hours, we're going to be okay because we'll be happier. And the other group that was really happy is the people under 22. So the people who've literally just started work. So we start really happy, we mm. end really happy, and it's something in the middle that goes a bit wacky. Mm. I've just got this view like everyone in the middle there, hang on. Hang <laughs> on. 70. Just another 40 years. 40 years to go. But the thing that I love about that and where I guess the other data point comes into play here is... The second report that we did uh, on the future of work along with Bank West Curtin Economic Centre, which showed that the two biggest groups that have multiple jobs and employment in the highest percentages are actually those two age categories. Yeah, so So, there could be a correlation. Yeah, and is it the way that you're finding those big things that matter in the work that you're doing across roles, reasons, purpose? Yeah, pretty cool. I love that. Yeah. Um, Second thing that I thought was really interesting is the happiest place in Australia is actually Tasmania. Mm. Well, that is because it's basically just one family. So. Oh, I can't believe, oh, I can't believe you said that. I, I went there. I, I you were so going to get feedback from people that were Tasmanian. I, I meant tribe. Tribe. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I love Tasmanian. Beautiful. Cut, and to save James from his own deep hole. Yeah, please I'm getting infested there. Someone please Tell help. Tell us more. Please help so, me. In the country is also happier than the yeah. city. Yeah. And what we found in the city is that what's making people unhappy in the city is actually a really quirky little fact in there, and it's the time commute. Yeah. So people actually don't want to spend a very long time in the car and, or the train or anything else to yeah. get to yeah. work every day, and they want the freedom and agency to work differently, which is back to flexibility and, and freedom, yeah. um, that agency piece. So if we can get that right, we'll be in good shape. Thanks for the rescue. Yeah, you're welcome. I got a bit confused myself. Um, money doesn't matter that much unless it's unfair. Yeah. So if it's unfair, we don't like, we're unhappy. Yeah. Um, and the other thing was the happiest jobs. So the two happiest mm. jobs were agricultural people, people who work in the land and back to nature, which I thought was really wow. cool and makes sense. Uh, mm. And the second happiest job was community and people and personal service workers, which is the caring jobs, yeah. the people where you work really closely with other people. And both of those jobs have got phenomenal purpose. Yeah. yeah. They've got relationships you're working with people and caring about them Mm. and the other part of it is they've got your freedom to do it the way you want to do it 
in the case of agriculture, in the great outdoors. Yeah, and with that sort of shifting um, economy and some of the service kind of roles, we know that the particularly maybe less agricultural, although to be debated, but um, that the jobs in people, caring, education, those sorts of roles are going to go up. Um, Again, looking at that future of work report. So with these factors, are we going to be happier in Australia going forward? I hope so. Me too. Is the headline in that Australia is destined for great happiness at work? Yes. Good. Excellent. Northern Territory time. <laughs> <laughs> good for you. I, I would say the happiest place on earth, but I think that's been stolen by someone else. <laughs> so what are we talking about next week? Well, just, before we move to next week, can we just... With Happy Work Reports on our website yes. and absolutely yes. available to everybody. So jump in there and have a look at the data. If you're a data nerd, you will love it. Uh, but it is genuinely, if you're one of those designers of employee experience, it is awesome to get in and understand what yeah. those three things that matter are. Yeah. And back to Sonia's question. Uh, what we're going to talk about next week is we're going to talk about diversity and inclusion and a whole new way of thinking about how we think, work, and talk about diversity and inclusion in the workplace. Really looking forward to that. And we're going to get it really real. Awesome. So make sure you tune in next week. You know how you can do that. Like us and subscribe to Article 23 via SoundCloud, iTunes, or Spotify. Your shortcut to never missing an episode where you'll get more faux pas from me, probably. Uh, Thank (laughs) you. Uh, I may or may not rescue you. It's almost a guarantee that I'll make them. (laughs) Thank you very much for spending time with us. Uh, It's a big more from us. Bye. Bye.